Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Do you want to listen to scary stories while you work, drive, or sleep? Well, follow the Darkness Prevails podcast on Spotify and listen to and review us on iTunes with the links in the description. Thanks. You've been inside your house for months, ordering groceries through an app, then tipping the delivery guy through the mail slot on your front door while he looks concerned at your pale hand holding cash through the horizontal metal opening. You've been listening to too many scary stories, so you know better than to go outside. Cause outside, there might be werewolves, there might be ghosts and aliens, and there might even be <laughs> other people. But the summer breeze smells too nice, and the sun shining through the windows is too tempting. Maybe you could step outside for a bit, into the great outdoors. Or maybe not. These are allegedly true and terrifying outdoors stories. If you have a scary story of your own, I'd love to possibly narrate it. Just send it to me at darkstories.org. I'm looking for creepy customer encounters and rest stop stories. Now, let's begin. Our experience at Donkey Lady Bridge from the Slytherin Princess. I grew up in San Antonio. Growing up, we always heard stories about the Alamo, the Minger Hotel, the haunted train tracks, and Donkey Lady Bridge. The legend we were told as kids was that a family had lived in the area of the bridge, until one day the husband had gotten angry and set fire to their home, killing himself and his two children, and horribly disfiguring his wife. Supposedly, her fingers and hands had melted into the shape of hooves, and her face melted into an elongated shape like that of a horse or donkey. We were not told if that had killed her or not, but we were told that she haunted the area surrounding the bridge. Fast forward to after I graduated high school. I was an edgy, thrill-seeking teenager, so my friends and I all decided to go out to the bridge. It is said that if you park your car and turn it off, then either flash your lights or honk three times, then remain silent. You start to hear things. Well, we tried that, and we did. We began to hear what sounded like hooves hitting pavement. Then it escalated to what sounded like a mix of a lady and a donkey screaming in pain. 
After this, things went silent, and my friend Jay decided she wanted to go look around, much to the disagreement and dismay of the rest of us. But we weren't just going to let her go alone, after what we heard. Donkey Lady Bridge is joined by the Medina River Park and hiking trails. We decided to start walking one of those trails, which we later learned was a very big mistake. As we got further along the trail, we got deeper into the woods that surrounded it. I've always been the type to sense when things are going to go wrong, and at this point in time, I had that feeling along with the feeling of being followed and watched. We decided to stop there, then begin to make our way back to the car before it got too late, and that's when we heard the hooves again and the screaming. It was coming from the direction the car was in, the direction we needed to head towards. We then heard rustling in the bushes next to us. Jay was the first to scream, saying she had seen eyes in the bushes and they were getting closer. We started walking, more like running to the car. I'm asthmatic, so I can't run for too long without having to take breaks. I soon fell behind without anyone realizing, and I had to walk the rest of the way to the car alone. The sounds of hooves and heavy breathing following close behind me. Just when you think our experience is over, you, my friend, would be mistaken. We all got back into the car, only to find that it would not start. And then the screaming erupted again, followed by the sounds of hooves running on pavement. The next set of events are what make me remember this story so well. We had locked the doors and thanked the gods we had rolled the windows up before we left it. We sat there in our own silence, listening to screams and hooves getting closer and closer to the car, and then it all stopped. At least we thought it did, but the car still would not start. The next thing I remember is something big smashing into the side of our car, the side that was facing the bridge. Whatever it was, it hit the side of the car a couple of times before things went quiet again. At this point, all the girls are crying, and the guys are cussing under their breath, while the owner of the car is trying desperately to get it started. Thinking back, I wish it hadn't started, because when the car suddenly came on, we saw it, or her. The car had started, which caused the headlights to turn on as well, and standing in the beams of those lights in front of the car was this almost mist-like figure with glowing white eyes. Before the owner of the car could kick it into drive, the mist figure charged at the car and jumped onto the hood before disappearing. We drove as fast as we legally could all the way back to my house, waiting until morning to even look at the car. We continued to go back to Donkey Lady Bridge, but why were we attacked? Was it because we didn't honk our horn or flash our lights, or maybe she torments everyone and just didn't torment us enough? I'll never know, because we never saw that thing again. The Shadow of Stearns Park 
from Hiram. It was the summer of the year 2000. My family moved into a rural area that was just starting to sprout developments. We lived among a few horse farms and ranches that bordered a brand new gated community. The back wall of it ran along the front of ours and our neighbor's property, so it was an odd mix of country folk and urbanites. Two properties over, a park had been built with a playground, hockey rink, picnic shelters, restrooms, and a quarter mile of paved jogging path that wound through the tree line of a dense stand of woods, which itself ran along the back border of the park. There was a massive field between the playground and tree line, where we could run around. There was also a gate built into the back wall of the subdivision that would allow those kids to come play at the park. Things were always a little spooky around here. The farms and ranches had been there since the 18th and 19th centuries, and it was an active area during the Seminole Wars in Florida. You'd see things in the tree line sometimes, or you would feel something otherworldly pressing on your consciousness even during the day if you wandered too deep into those woods. The real troubles didn't start until the grave was found. One of the local boys that lived up the dirt road from us had wandered too deep into the woods behind the park. He came to an old barbed wire fence, so he jumped it and found the ruins of a barn hidden in a tree-ringed clearing that had nearly been swallowed by undergrowth. It was there that the grave of a lost settler was found. This man had sent his family to a nearby fort when the threat of Seminole raiding parties loomed. He and the other men fought back, but were slaughtered. The men who buried him were killed, so the location of his grave marker was lost for over a century. The finding of the grave was a big enough deal to make the local papers, with a photo of the headstone and the boy who found it published on the front pages. It wasn't long before the grave was desecrated by local vandals, and things escalated. First came the snakes. We went from seeing a couple of black racers and rat snakes a year to half a dozen venomous cottonmouths in a month. Then the crows came, screaming every morning from their murders, high up in the trees or on the power lines. It wasn't just them animals. The entire mood of the area seemed to shift. An early chill came in September, and we started having heavy mist almost every night and morning that would blanket everything. The mist would hang onto the tree line as the sun burned it away, lasting nearly until noon, obscuring the woods within its embrace. Sometimes I would see things moving in the mist, usually the silhouette of a large, dog-like thing. In my 11-year-old mind, it was large enough to be a wolf. It would still from tree to tree, its large head low to the ground as though sniffing for a scent. Weeks passed, and the foreboding grew. It got to a point where kids stopped playing at the park altogether. My cousins and their family lived with us at the time. We had a double-wide trailer being placed on the back of our acreage for them and they were living in the main house until it was done being hooked up to power, water, and septic. One night, the eldest cousin, who shared a room with my older brother, got fed up with my brother staying up late to play his new PS1. 
so he decided to go to sleep in the trailer. They were pretty much moved in, but there was still no power or water hooked up. He gathered his pillows and blankets and made the trip through the darkness to the back of the acre. He was startled by a black cat that darted from under one of our sheds and ran across his path. He was spooked, but decided to keep going. He made it to the trailer and locked it behind him, then made his way to what would be his shared room. He climbed into the top bunk and settled in. A few minutes later, he heard slow and heavy footsteps heading towards his room at the end of the trailer. As they neared, he pulled his blanket over his head and was peeking from under it. He said he could see the top of the door of the room. It swung open, and he said he could feel something lean into the room. After a minute or two, this presence left, and he eventually fell asleep. A few weeks after that, my parents had some church friends over for a coffee and cake. Two girls came with them, and they really wanted to go play manhunt at the park. I didn't want to go, but I was overruled by the older kids, and off we went with flashlights. I was uneasy at first, but we made the woods out of bounds, and that made me feel a bit better. We played a few rounds, and I began having a lot of fun. The moon was out full and bright. During the final round, I was hiding under a picnic table, facing the expansive field and tree line. I glanced around, and I spotted a dark mass crouched on the jogging path, right where it entered a small stand of pine trees. The mist was already setting in, so it was obscured. I continued to stare at it when it stood up. I don't know if it was the fear I felt, but as I remember it, it was nearly half as tall as the pine trees it stood among, which at the time would be nearly seven feet. I jumped as one of the girls screamed from nearby. My brother and cousins came running to see what happened, but it turned out she had been tagged and was being dramatic. I looked back to the tree line just in time to see the tall thing enter the woods. I told them about what I saw and they dismissed it as one of the people from the neighborhood. We decided to end the round and sit down in the field next to the hockey rink, which was fenced in with a tall chain-link fence to keep errant pucks or balls from injuring non-players. We sat in a semicircle with our back to the woods. My older cousin faced us and began telling ghost stories, the one I mentioned earlier in the trailer. Halfway through the story, he just freezes, and stares over our heads, then jumps up and takes off without a word. We all look back and see a seven-foot-tall shadow thing or man coming towards us out of the mist and shrouded woods. I say shadow because it was close enough that we would have been able to make out facial features and clothing if it were an actual person, but there were no features. It was just black, tall, and menacing. We all got up and sprinted after my cousin into the hockey rink. We formed a circle with our backs to one another and all stared into the growing mist. The shadow thing was gone. One of the girls was sobbing while the rest of us panted in fear. We were there for maybe 10 minutes before any of us could muster the will to move or speak and we realized we had left our flashlights in the middle of the field. 
we decided to stay in a circle and walk the quarter mile back to our house that way. We made it halfway through the park when one of the girls broke the circle and ran. We all screamed and did the same, sprinting down the dirt road until we made it back to the house, where we told our parents what happened. The three dads went back to the park, armed and cautious, thinking it was a kid or an adult from the community playing a prank on us 11 to 14 year olds. They came back maybe 45 minutes later with our flashlights, along with puzzled looks on their faces. They had not found anyone, but all five of our flashlights were dead. We moved to a different city not long after, but that shadow has stayed in my memory and dreams for the last 22 years. I don't know if it was the spirit of the murdered settler, or one of the Seminole that had died there too. All I know is that it was not a person. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Encounters with an Unknown Creature from LaShonda from the Catskills my family and I were very happy to be living atop the tallest of the Catskill Mountains on 1,000 acres of nearly untouched forest. Living where we did, we understood completely that we were guests, and this land belonged fully to the wildlife that lived there. We have seen and interacted with an incredible array of animals, from the usual black bears and deer, to an actual mountain lion and two moose. As beautiful as they all are, it's another creature altogether that is burned into our memories. It was a typical fall evening, and that time of day my brother calls blue time, a bit after sundown. It's dark but still lit enough to not need a flashlight in order to see. We were all watching television together, as we did most evenings, and like usual, our cat and dog were curled up on the rug at our feet, sleeping. Suddenly, both the cat and dog jumped up startled, but none of us had heard a thing. Then they both began behaving very strangely. The cat was hissing and puffed up looking towards the window. My dog was also looking towards the window and pacing, whimpering, 
and then he flattened himself to the floor, terrified. Then he began to urinate. This was absolutely out of the norm for our dog. He weighs 120 pounds and wrestles with black bears. He was not easily frightened. My children ran to me and huddled against me, frightened themselves. But at what, we did not know. My little brother on the precipice of manhood wanted to grab our shotgun and go out to investigate, but of course I could not let him. I assured everyone that it was probably a coyote or fox. I put on my shoes to go take a look. I thought it was strange the way the animals were behaving, but I truly believed it was just an animal, so I wasn't afraid. I was about to find out I was half right. It was an animal, but I should have been afraid. I stepped outside and looked around. As I'd mentioned, it was still light enough out that I didn't need a flashlight. But I didn't see anything at first. I listened and heard nothing. So I decided to go to my jeep and grab a shawl that I left in the back. Just as I stepped behind the jeep and reached out to open it, I saw it. It had been crouched down near the front passenger side tire, and it stood up just as I got to the back of the jeep. It was so tall. The rooftop of the jeep was level with its diaphragm. From what I could see, it was very muscular, but thin. It had pale colored flesh, dark hollow eyes, and a very thin slit for a mouth. It was also hairless. I always thought when people would say that they froze with fear, they were simply being descriptive. I learned that day they were being quite literal. I could not move a single bit, and my life depended on it. It felt like an eternity that I was frozen, but realistically it was probably a few seconds. It just stared at me, also unmoving. Unfortunately, it found its motor skills first, and for some reason, it had turned to walk around the front of the jeep to come towards me. It only took three very graceful steps, and it was already at the front driver's side tire. It was still looking at me. It was at that second I could finally move. I spun around, and I ran as fast as I could from my front door. I remember the entire time I was running. I was waiting to feel claws shredding through the skin of my back. Thankfully, that didn't happen. When I came flying through the front door, my brother was standing there. I didn't know why at that second, but he saw me and cried out, Oh sissy! And he reached out for me. When I came to, I was on the floor. I had fainted. Apparently all the color was drained from my face when I came in, and I was violently trembling. I told my children I had just been surprised by a bear, and everything was fine. They accepted that. My brother knew me better, though, and so I had to tell him the truth, privately. We all slept in the same room for a while after that, including the gun. I have no idea what it was. All I can say is that in all of my experience with nature and animals, and I have a lot, I've never seen anything like it. 
we've had two more encounters with this creature since then. One of the times it made an appearance during a family barbecue, so it is obviously not shy, since there were 15 of us there that day. But that is a story for another time. My Encounter with the Bunyip From Jigsaw Voorhees I haven't told this story to a lot of people, but I need to get it off my chest. I'm from Australia, and we have something from our folklore called a bunyip. My grandparents always told me not to go to the billabong after dark because a bunyip lived there. Now, there's something you should know about me. I'm not a superstitious guy, so I never believed in them. Fast forward a few years and I'm still recovering from what happened. There was a girl I liked, named Riley, that always wanted to go to the billabong, where the bunyip supposedly lived. I told her that I lived near it, and it was a mile from where I lived. So later that day, we went to the billabong together to go camping. When we got there, it felt wrong. The only way I could describe it is that feeling where you know something is going to happen, but you don't know when or what it is. I have no idea how long we were there when Riley said that we should go swimming in the billabong. Me being the stupid teenager I was, I wanted to impress her. So we changed into our bathing suits and dove in. After a few minutes of splashing around, Riley said that she felt something brush up against her leg. I told her it was probably a fish, and she was fine. But then the same thing happened again. She began to get scared. She started to swim back to shore. Then something happened that I'll never forget, not till the day I die. I saw this reddish-brown claw-like hand reach around Riley's leg, digging its nails into her. She screamed, most likely from pain and shock, as the thing pulled her underwater. I froze. I didn't know what to do, so I just swam to the spot where the creature took her. And speak of the devil, the thing popped its ugly head out of the billabong. The only way I know to describe it is a deformed Jar Jar Binks with horns and fangs coming out of its mouth. It still had Riley in its clawed hand as it was coming towards me now. I looked for anything at all to defend myself with. I found a jagged rock lying near the bank of the billabong. I grabbed it, and I did the only thing I could do in that situation. I lunged and stabbed it in the hand it had Riley in. It let out a cry that sounded like a slow and deep riverboat horn. It dove under the water, then swam away. But as it did, it looked like it shot me an evil look. I dragged Riley to shore, the adrenaline still coursing through my body. I hadn't known she was crying, but I didn't have time to care. All I wanted to do was get her out of that billabong into the safety of dry land. We made it to my house, and I saw that she was limping, so I asked her what was wrong. She sniffled as she lifted up the blanket I gave her. She had a deep gash in her leg that looked like claw marks. My mom allowed her to spend the night. It was a Friday, and she slept on the couch. It's been years, 
but every time I pass by that billabong, I still feel uneasy whenever I think about that night. The Ghost in My Woods from Arrow This happened on May 1st, a day after my birthday. I was with my friends Ian and Ethan. We usually just hang out for my birthday, but I thought it'd be a fun idea to go out to the woods to mess around with some new guns I got for my birthday. All three of us headed out into the woods, making sure we had flashlights. By then, it was around 7.30pm, so it'd be getting dark pretty soon. We brought my dog, Obi, with us. We soon made it to the part of my woods that we use for a makeshift shooting range. We got the guns out and began shooting down the bowling pins that were set up. Just after we emptied the first magazine, we started reloading. While doing so, I heard a faint voice saying, Stop, Stop it. it. I turned to my friends and said, Stop what? They both looked at me like I was going crazy. I explained that I had heard a voice and told them what it said. They both had no clue what I was talking about. I pushed it out of my mind and thought it was just my head playing tricks on me. We started shooting again for about an hour as the sun began to fade, so I thought it would be a good idea to start heading back home. It would take half an hour depending on how fast the walk was. As we began walking down the path, I again heard a strange voice. This time it said, Get out! I stopped dead in my tracks as Ian and Ethan continued for a couple of feet before noticing me and Obi were stopped in the middle of the path. Obi had his ears slanted and the hair on his back was straight up. He was in his attack position. I then knew I wasn't the only one who heard the voice. Just then, it felt as if someone shoved me. I fell over, dropping my flashlight. I then felt a hand trying to pick me up as I looked up at Ian, trying to help me up with a look of terror in his eyes. As I got back to my feet, I told them to start running as we were not alone out here. We all took off into the night. I could see the house getting bigger, closer. I knew we were almost there. When suddenly, Obi started to bark at seemingly nothing. I picked him up as he wouldn't move as if he'd rather fight or protect us than run. When I grabbed Obi, I heard something else. Move! Move. It was Ethan trying to warn me. He saw that a branch was falling and was going to land on me. I ran out of the way with Obi in my arms as we finally made it back to my house. We ran in and upstairs, slamming each door shut as we went through it, locking them. I peered out of my windows as I had two windows, one on the side and one that pointed towards those woods. I swear then, I saw a white figure disappear into the night. I regret to say, that would not be the last time I went into those woods. <laughs>